Hello and welcome to our new podcast series in which we talk about the present and future of Germany's economic powerhouse, the state of Bavaria. My name is Daniel and I'm a senior manager for investment and expansion at the Bavarian U.S. Offices for Economic Development, located in New York City. Since 1999, we support U.S.-based companies to expand to the German state of Bavaria and obviously vice versa. Our service is free, confidential and individual and our team is international. We are there for you locally and worldwide with more than 20 offices across the globe. Today, I'm reaching out to my friend Herbert in Munich. Herbert is founding partner at V-Squared Ventures and co-founder of the think tank 1E9. I'm looking forward to an interesting conversation about deep tech in Bavaria and Germany. Hey, servus, wie geht's? Hey, Herbert. Great to talk to you. Thanks for picking up the phone um, and taking the time to have a quick check to me about what's currently going on in Germany and especially, obviously, Bavaria Munich within the startup ecosystem. But be before we start talking about what's currently going on, would you please introduce yourself briefly? Tell us a little bit about your, about your background and what you do at Vito Venture. Sure. Um, so um, I started not in venture capital, um, but in, in aerospace engineering. So uh, that's that's what I started studying. I went more abstract into mathematics, did a PhD, had the pleasure to found a company when I was still a student. It was quite tiny and niche, but that's how I was pulled into entrepreneurship and very early into the Munich ecosystem uh, about 15 years ago. So I think about 20 years ago, all of what we know today kind of developed with uh, Unternehmertum, with uh, the Center for Digital Technology Management, etc. Back then, we had still a VC um, scene, I would say. So I was uh, introduced to, to that topic, um, which is something that I think most of the people, um, especially engineers, uh, never get to see and get to experience. So I was already fascinated, but thought that's something that I um, would like to do when I'm 50, uh, gray-haired, etc., and basically succeeded and made my life. Um, but uh, everything came different. So after stations in, uh, so I was my home base was always in Munich, but I lived in in Paris and in in Brussels, uh, Louvain. And uh, I came back to Munich um, and heard about Vito Ventures. Uh, Vito, Vito Ventures was not yet existent. It's, it, it was the idea of Vito Ventures, a venture capital firm to be set up with the purpose to invest in new technology infrastructure. Back then, the Internet of Things that was about to come alive. And they were looking for someone with a very broad technical background and uh, venture capital affinity. And uh, that's how I joined um, by accident or serendipity, I can say today, the, the VC world, um, quite different from from a background, I think. And um, so five years later, um, we invested, I think, in European landmark companies, one of which is Isar Aerospace, a rocket launcher company, but um, also IQM, uh, European or the leading European quantum computing firm. And uh, we just uh, started our second fund, uh, V-Squared Ventures, which is the successor of Vito. And um, 
yeah, started investing again. And uh, the first investment actually is also in in new space. And um, yeah, so you see, um, we try to do more of the same. Um, and this technical background and affinity somehow made it into into the European venture landscape. And uh, we're successful with that. Perfect. Thank you so much. I would love to talk to you about more about this, the, the project you just mentioned. But before, um, I mean, obviously, you had been within the startup ecosystem in Munich for quite a while now. Um, looking back, how do you think the whole ecosystem actually changed? And where would you put Munich on the overall European startup and entrepreneur map today? Yeah. Um, so I think clearly 15 or 20 years ago, um, the world was completely different from what it is today. And, and the Munich uh, venture and technology startup ecosystem was, was very different. Um, back then, my view was uh, that, I mean, I was fascinated by, by large corporates that were working in aerospace. I started with aerospace engineering and I thought that's the real business to be done. Um, nevertheless, I joined a program, uh, the Center for Digital Technology and Management. And uh, today we have many, many large uh, digital technology companies, software companies that uh, originate in this, in this program. So I think um, many um, classical SaaS or, or, or app businesses um, emerged back then. And that was the, the source of all of this. And what we see today in Munich um, is that this shifts, I mean, we still have this uh, this ecosystem, uh, large software companies, new software companies, big success stories like Celonis, for instance, but also Freeletics that, that was founded a bit uh, or during the same time uh, and, and, and others. But today we see also companies uh, that have emerged that are, I think back then we would have said it's impossible to found such a company um, like Lilium and, and to succeed. I mean, you can found any company, but whether you succeed is a different story. And I mean, whether also a Lilium is already a success story is uh, a matter of definition. But we see that people today, uh, and we observed this for five years, six, seven years, maybe even now that people have the ambition to play on a global scale and to do things that uh, we would expect more from, from the Silicon Valley kind of uh, ecosystem or spirit. And those are technology firms like Lilium, like Isar Aerospace. So this is, I mean, flying cars yeah, or, or taxis, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, ro rockets, quantum computing uh, gets stronger here, here in Munich, um, robotics, um, additive manufacturing. I'm not sure whether, whether many people know it, but um, I think Munich is, is one of the strongest uh, global hubs in additive manufacturing with companies like EOS, um, like the technology and, and uh, business leader in, in metal uh, additive manufacturing uh, globally. And uh, that has been a startup 30 years ago, but I think that gives the, the basis uh, for many um, new industries, uh, horizontal technology platforms, that will change many of the existing index industries and, and create new ones. And many of these technology streams that push into markets, they also converge and merge. And uh, all of these things are kind of built at a very, very high level in institutions and corporates. Plus, you have this hunger and mentality 
to build uh, empires, uh, global firms, and succeed. And you get more and more capital into these uh, domains. So I think today Munich, um, as a deep tech hub, I think there's actually a, a recent statistic that says in, in the EU, so the European Union, um, Munich is place two uh, in, in terms of deep tech unicorns and future unicorns. And it would be one if we don't count uh, um, uh, London to, to the European Union <laughs> anymore. Um, but I think that gives kind of a, a, a feel and, and taste for what is happening here. Munich is much, much smaller than London. Uh, we have a much less developed uh, venture capital uh, scene. It's more quiet and... Um, so life is very different in Munich, but still we, we are so successful. And I think that gives an idea of what is possible and, and, and what, what the status uh, of like, technology ventures in, in Munich is um, today. That's fantastic to hear. So I think one could say dream big and be bold, finally made it to Munich and, and things are starting to happen there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Habit, I mean, you working for a VC. Um, let's let's change sides and talk about. Um, I mean, you are, one of your jobs is obviously raising money for your funds, right? And you just mentioned at the beginning that you're currently uh, setting up a second fund, which is absolutely amazing to hear. Um, how easy is it to raise money for your funds? Is that something that you experienced to be easier now than it was back in the days? So. Um I must say back in the days we were lucky and uh, we could start this experiment of early stage deep tech investing due to the trust and willingness of uh, the Fiesmann family, especially Max Fiesmann. So uh, we haven't had the difficulty to raise uh, a fund previously. Um, now with, with this current generation, V-squared, it's, it's a bit different. So this is a multi-LP fund, meaning we don't um, invest just the money of one um, investor in our fund, but of, of many investors. And we do, of course, uh, do the work and run and try to convince uh, investors and, and collect money. And therefore, we are in competition with um, classical venture capital, with real estate investing, uh, with stock markets, which are crazy right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you can imagine it, it's not the easiest time. And um, also to build trust in uh, deep tech venture as a viable asset class, that's something um, that you need to do. I mean, you need to convince people. It's uh, nothing that has been there in the past. So uh, we have a quite good uh, or excellent uh, performance, um, but um, there are, I think, no comparables out there for, for this class. So in principle, we, we open up or opened up in the past a new um, venture capital class, uh, if, you, if you like. So I think it's also fair to say that, I mean, pick any uh, SaaS company, B2B SaaS company that grew huge or, or a business like uh, Liveroo or anything of, of that, that type uh, and compare it to the potential of building a globally leading quantum computing firm, which is anchored in Europe. Um, so I think these are two types of different animals and uh, we are in the latter class and uh, we could demonstrate and show that there is a good probability that we actually succeed in, in that. And um, so um, we see that in fundraising, we kind of polarize. So there are some classes of investors that made their money, their, their, their billions, for instance, 
um, in, in very classical um, asset classes, also through investing, for instance, in, in real estate. And they now move uh, heavily and strongly into venture and into technology. So we are happy about that. And then, of course, there are the others that um, knew us. Uh, they thought it's, it's interesting. They also committed, but they, they uh, did not stick to the commitment due to the current pandemic, um, which is completely fine and understandable. But there you see that there are some that are convinced that um, this decade is, is different from the past and something different is about to happen. Um, that invest into our fund. And then there are more classical or undecided ones um, with which it's uh, maybe harder to, to work and, uh, and, and to convince them. Um, but yeah, it's possible. So we had the first closing and we already started investing and uh, we have strong interest and uh, hear more and more about um, the, um, like the good performance, like the numbers we have, that they are uh, incredibly good and outstanding, which... Um, it's a bit surprising, but but we and ourselves we don't really have these comparables, and and we never ourselves invested really in other venture capital funds of that type. So it's hard to tell. But yeah, we, we receive good feedback, and we are confident. Perfect. Congratulations for that. Thanks. So, I also know that uh, you are one of the co-founders of um, a think tank in, in Munich um, named One E Nine. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that think tank, what you guys do, what you're looking after? Like, what's your vision for that think tank and where, where do you want to position yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm glad you asked. Um, so 1E9 is something very important personally for me, but I think also for, for an ecosystem, for, for the Munich ecosystem or any ecosystem. Um, so 1E9... Is an acronym first of all. It's it stands. So if you if you ever scripted uh, any math type or technical language, um, then you will or even Excel, <laughs> you will realize that one in nine is an acronym standing for one billion. So one with nine zeros. It's kind of a computer script language and an abbreviation for this. And the idea behind one in nine is uh, and now there comes this this idea of a think tank that we want to bring people together and think and create stories um, about technology and how technology really impacts our all lives. Um, so in one billion is kind of the order, the magnitude of, of the globe. So the, the amount of humans living on, on Earth. And uh, we see today that there are many, many technology streams that push and shape the face of Earth and, and how people and societies live, which is basically the scale of one in nine. And um, so that's that's the kind of stories we want to create. And we do that together with the former Wired Germany team. Um, Wired Germany was, was stopped. Um, and um, the other side of 1E9, um, so that, that's the journalistic part. Uh, we have an online magazine. So there's a community platform, which is digital. And then we have events. And uh, myself with a colleague and, and, and some other people, we started uh, or grew uh, a deep tech conference in Munich, which was called Dahorm. And uh, Dahorm means uh, home um, in, in Bavarian language. And um, so um, we decided to bring these two things together. The Wired Germany team wanted to move into community and into deep tech conferencing. And deep tech conferencing is quite a hard thing to do 
every year once. Uh, it's good to have the contact to the audience to engage more often and to speak about those uh, entrepreneurs and those tech stories, basically, and, and their impact on society in a digital magazine. So create content. And that's how we founded 1E9. And I think, so when we started it from the venture capital, deep tech investing context, it was important for us to engage with uh, global technology and thought leaders. Um, and it's easier to do that by offering them a stage in a city like Munich in summer, having fun, paying for the flights, um, then doing that as an investor that does uh, basically early stage investing and is not so well known or established yet. And that turned out to be quite successful. And um, yeah, so we decided to continue this. And uh, the importance is to bring these ideas of technology and their impact really to a broader audience and create excitement. Because um, that's certainly our future, or if we want to solve global problems, um, chances are high that we will do that through technology and with certain technologies as tools to solve problems. And uh, I think we need to embrace um, this idea and uh, technologies and understand this. And therefore, an online magazine uh, in German language um, um, is, is uh, well suited. Excellent. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I think, like you said, uh, if we truly want to solve global issues and global problems, we obviously need to think big and also need to be adventurous. And that's actually something, at least in my point of view, we are currently lacking sometimes that people just don't want to dream big anymore. Um, which actually leads me to my next question. And you mentioned it at the beginning. You mentioned a few of the investments you did, especially in the in the air and space uh, industry. Um, I mean, let's look back. Um, late 50s, early 60s, people started this this uh, almost like a global initiative. People wanted to to shoot for the moon or to aim for the moon. And it was really this big competition going on. Who will be the first person on the moon? Um, what's your view on that? Like, like, where are we today? Do you, do you think that, that um, our next goal must be to, you know, visit Mars? Or what's your view, especially being invested in air and space on that? And where do you think... Um, you know, Munich and Bavaria can can play a significantly role in that next step. So I'm not sure whether you know it, but I think um, during that mission, like going to the moon um, with Apollo 11 or the Apollo program, um, some parts actually came from Ottobrunn or south of Munich, um, uh, maybe even fuel cell parts. But so we actually have a heritage in, in Bavaria of supplying technology, high tech, um, to to those early industries, um, and uh, I mean we have a very solid uh, aerospace industry around Munich with smaller firms, with larger firms like Airbus, um, and it's definitely a hub in Europe. So th that's that's given. Then we have the Technical University, of course. We have this uh, VAR group. Um, which is active in, in uh, Hyperloop by now, but, but also in, in building rockets um, and so on. So there, there's talent, there's the interest, there's the heritage, um, there's industry. Um, now there's money with, with our fund basically to support this. 
um, there is this close connection to the United States. Um, so, you know, I mean, NASA was basically set up and in the early days there were many, many German um, engineers uh, around Werner von Braun that brought basically that knowledge and, and know-how that was built um, during almost also World War II to, to the U.S. And, um, of course, I mean, there was the Cold War and uh, you had this uh, global conflict and, and you shoot for the moon and it was an, a story that was easy to to tell, and uh, there was a lot of excitement um, among the people um, um, for for these kind of uh, space topics. Um, that's not clearly granted and, and given because uh, it's it's tough, and people die if you <laughs> try to to shoot people to the moon. Um, but um, like what I can say about today and and, and our age um, today, um, we again I think have. Um, global conflicts it's about uh, dominance and it's it's a fight between east and west um, especially united states of america and and and, and china for instance um, and there are other players but but space technology is again at the heart of this and today we have much much more technology and capability um, to do useful things uh, beyond just going to the moon um, I'm thinking of constellations, of Earth observation, of communication constellations, and uh, with, with like the decrease in prices in electronics, in materials, uh, etc. Running software, highly complex software. Um, it's amazing what we can do, and uh, we see that uh, unit economics of data uh, to be sent uh, and from from space, transmitted via space, is is going down heavily with with uh, today's tools. Um, so that um, I think we will see, and that's important. So first of all, it's again a, a game of dominance and uh, technological dominance and the fight between East and West, which basically pulls in money from, from military applications. It's a, it's a muscle game. So there is a demand for, for such technology again, but also on a more peaceful mission, um, I would argue for a space industry um, uh, in terms of uh, just uh, like a very abstract concept of observability. I mean, if you want to solve a global challenge or many global challenge that we face, uh, thinking of climate, for instance, um, then it's important to have a, uh, an observer point um, that actually can look at those problems and observe them, ideally in real time and in good quality when we think about gathering data. And that requires, uh, to a certain degree, that we have Earth observation constellations. And I think we can be much, much better, economic, economically better, in doing what we already do and at a much, much better scale, resolution, etc. And uh, that will, like observing our planet from, from the outside, outside of the planet, will help us solving global challenges that, that we face um, with our environment, um, with the planet, um, and uh, with, with climate. And uh, so there is, I think, a second big driver and, and pillar for a space industry to, um, to succeed. Yeah. And I guess we all have these pictures in mind, especially now during the pandemic, the air pollution that the pictures from outer space in which we can really see that air, poll air pollution increased over the last couple of, of months and, and weeks. Um, I think that's a very, very, very interesting point of view. So, Herbert, uh, from your 
point of view or or speaking obviously through the the glasses of of a VC um what would you like to see next um like what what kind of technology is is really of big interest for you guys what would you tell also people in the US why should they come to Munich um you know give us your your personal view um what are you you guys specifically looking for and what what, what are good arguments for foreigners to come come to Munich <laughs> okay so i think um so there are many answers to this. Uh, I mean, certain verticals, of course, but um, regardless of any vertical, I have the impression um, as an investor that has a European scope. So we invest heavily in, in Munich and companies that are set up in Munich or Bavaria in general. Um, but we see that um, also beyond that, many, many, especially deep tech companies somehow have a relationship to Munich. Either they lived here for a certain amount of time, they, they were educated here, they were working in institutions and in institutes, in corporates, and they all have a very positive view about um, Munich as a deep tech hub. And, and obviously, they, they uh, are positive about the quality of life, <laughs> which is important, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so having said that, um, you can look at certain verticals in which Munich is incredibly strong. Um, which is additive manufacturing um, with EOS. So, so we have hardware players, but also startups like Kumovis that, that are growing and more software-oriented companies like Hyperganic um, that are incredibly strong and probably also already technology leaders in, in their domain globally. Um, we have robotics. I mean, KUKA was sold uh, to, a, to a Chinese company, but um, the, the IP or the most advanced elements in that company, um, technologically speaking. I mean, certainly there was a value in the clients they had and deployments, but that came from DLR in Oberpfaffenhofen, so south of Munich, um, so the, the, the German Aerospace um, Association Institute, what, what's the correct English word? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. anyway, space robotics is, is the origin. We have Franka Emika, uh, a cobot player, that has a very, very strong uh, foundational product. Um, space industry or aerospace with, with Lilium. Um, there are some other companies like uh, Fraundorf Aeronautics uh, near Munich in Donauwörth um, that are very, very strong. Um, then we have, I mean, in, in Europe, we have these large uh, billion dollar projects. Uh, one is quantum computing with Open SuperQ. Munich, again, plays a very important role uh, in, in quantum computing commercialization uh, with, with LRZ, the high performance computing uh, um, cathedral, if, if you like. Um, then Infineon being here, the Technical University of Munich. Uh, I think we will hear much, much more about quantum ventures and technology from Munich in the near future. IPM opened their office here. Then you have uh, graphene as a material that has very, very interesting properties for electronics and, and photonics applications. We see that also being relevant, uh, for instance, in neuroscience, where you have, again, angles to Munich. There are large uh, parts of the human brain um, research project that happened in, in Munich. Um, so there, there are connections uh, everywhere um, in, in all of these very future-oriented um, um, new categories and, and industries. But then also, I mean, um, machine learning, uh, computer vision 
incredibly strong talent coming out of the universities um, with a huge relevance for, for robotic applications, autonomous driving, etc. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a very vibrant um, and nascent deep tech ecosystem um, where we wish uh, we would have more money to deploy, <laughs> but also more partners to syndicate with and, and more growth funds that look at those opportunities uh, from, from everywhere uh, globally. Perfect. Herbert, that's, that was uh, super interesting. And I thank you so much for your for your time. I think that was an, an amazing overview on what is actually currently going on. Um, learning from somebody like you who is actually on the ground, obviously deeply involved in a lot of initiatives at the moment. Um, I guess, obviously, being born and uh, growing up in Munich myself, I know that uh, we sometimes are not the best in actually telling uh, and and marketing what is going on in Bavaria, but I think you've done excellent and gave a, a great overview. Last question I have for you, I'm sure we might have some listeners who would be interested in reaching out to you. Um, is that possible? And if so, what is the best way to reach you? Um, of course it is. Um, so I think ideally um, you become a member on 1E9. <laughs> mm -hmm. Reach out there. I think that's uh, always possible and I'm quite responsive there. But uh, I have an email. Uh, it's herb at vsquared.vc. So feel free to shoot me a line. Um, they can write you. Um, and whenever someone is in Munich interested to meet, um, just ping me, uh, write me a line, and I'm happy to do so. Perfect. Excellent. And I'm actually also looking forward to meet you again soon, hopefully in person, um, for a nice cold beer in one of Munich's beer gardens. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Herbert, so much and, and hope to see you and talk to, to you soon. Talk soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.